Welcome to NCC Unplugged, the podcast from Norman Christian Church, where conversations, community, and culture converge. Welcome back to another episode of Unplugged. My name is Jeff Terpstra. I'm the preaching minister here at Norwin Christian Church, and I'm joined this morning by Garrett Crawford, our minister of outreach and small groups. Hello. And I'm also joined here by Matt Mastriani, our director of tech and media and everything else that we throw at him. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You yeah. were used to using your phone there. You weren't used to actually talking. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I was recording some video while we're doing this <laughs> Ooh, and just exciting. totally uh, got lost in the moment. Yeah, so I don't know exactly what podcast episode this is, but as we start off this January together, we have been going as a church through what we're calling our spiritual growth process. And so I want to bring you up to speed, whether you've been joining us on Sunday morning for our services or you're listening to this, talk a little bit about why we felt as a church, church leadership, we needed to come up with what we're calling our spiritual growth process. And it's bit of a few different elements coming together. A big part of it is our church vision. And we've had a church vision since January of 2020 that we've been operating with and uh, really moving forward in a lot of different directions with that vision. We felt uh, some great unity and strength with that vision. Uh, And part of what I've shared on Sunday morning message was how we felt like the vision was almost too big. And it was hard to sit down with with someone and describe that vision. And so out of that and out of trying to align some different things uh, that maybe I would say kind of behind the scenes as we think about programs and events is this, this birth of a spiritual growth process and what we think it looks like for someone that maybe be brand new to the faith, uh, never had a relationship with Jesus before. What does it look like for them to become fully mature disciples of Jesus? What is involved in that? How would we lead someone through that? How do we as a church want to present that, not just to individuals, but a collective group that we call Norwin Christian Church? And so that's what's birthed this spiritual growth process. And so we're going to talk about this first step of the spiritual growth process that we're calling Connect. Nope, we're not calling calling it Come. We are calling it Come. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Connect is the next one. Uh, But somebody needs to come. They need to come to know Jesus. And so, Garrett, would you speak a little bit about the difference? When we say come, we're not saying come to church. We're saying come to know Jesus, come to know God. What's the difference in your mind between someone coming to church and someone coming to Jesus? There's all, there's certainly a connection between the two where the church is meant to be on earth, an extension of Jesus. We are the bride of Christ. And so when you take that analogy to an understanding of biblical marriage, man and woman is one flesh. And so when Scripture tells us that we are the bride of Christ, what that is essentially essentially saying is He is the head, but we are intimately connected with Him. And so to a certain extent, when you are coming and becoming a part of the church, you are also coming to Christ. But you can't truly come to Christ unless you come to Christ, unless you seek to intimately know Him. But to intimately know Him, the church is a reflection of that intimate relationship that we already have with Him. So they go hand in hand. Um, I like to say that you it's near impossible to be a Christian in isolation. 
And the reason for that is because you can't truly fulfill what it means to be in community. And we have to know what it means to be in community because we are in community with Christ as Christians. And so there is this overlapping relationship of coming to Christ happens as we come to the church. And coming to church is to the the church is how we come to Christ. But we also have to differentiate that the church isn't a building. You know, coming to the building on the hill that where Norwin Christian Church meets is not the same as becoming and coming to participate in Norwin Christian Church. And I think in in modern understanding, if you go back to the medieval time when um church buildings were erected in this beautiful monument of uh, our art that was meant to glorify God, we have in our minds that that's the church, but the church is the ecclesia, the assembly. And so to come to Christ is to come to the assembly that is married to Christ. Mm. And so we have to make sure that as we are reaching out and teaching all to follow Jesus— that we understand that that means we're building connections with our ecclesia, with our assembly, that brings people into that assembly so that they can be brought into a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. So part of coming is joining into the church assembly, and through joining into the church assembly, we're coming to Christ. But if you come to Christ first— Let's say instead of saying, I've come to Norwin Christian Church to join that assembly to know Christ, you say first, I've come to know Christ. Well, that's great. Now let's know him more intimately by coming to his church. Mm-hmm. Does, it, am I, is that making sense here? It's like you, there's two different paths you find there, but Christ has to be at the center of both of them. Whether you're coming to the assembly that is married to Christ or you're coming to Christ who is married to the assembly. Yeah. So there's great depth to the word come. Yes. We're not saying a surface level of, hey, I'm going to show up once a month here at church and that's my coming to Jesus. Mm. But for what, what you're talking about with this marriage ceremony and we as the church being the bride of Christ, we're preparing ourselves, which takes intimacy, which takes knowing one another. And it intentionality in someone's life as they pursue a relationship with Jesus, they also pursue a relationship with other people, which is part of our second yeah. step of our, <laughs> our growth process. And um, for those listening, our, our growth process has four steps. First is come, which we're talking about. A second is connect, uh, which we'll talk about in our next episode. The third part of our growth process is grow to mature in our faith. And then the last is to go. And something we've talked about as a staff and leadership is how all these steps do connect. Mm. It's not um, you do step one, and then once you check that off, you move on to step two and you don't look back. But as we've already mentioned with this first step of coming, there's connections that happen. Yeah, it's like like you said before we started, that Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. that You have the circle of come, but it overlaps with the circle of connect yep. in order for us to truly understand what it means to come. Yeah, and some of it's not going to be super defined. Yeah. Somebody's not going to be able to say, well, I'm in the first step, maybe I'm in the second step. Maybe it's that's what 
that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Mm. And it's, it's sometimes hard to define where we are, or where we're going, or even when we get to the growth step, there's a lot of different ways to grow. And mm. something I thought about in preparing my sermon on this topic of coming to God, there's, there's one way we come to God. It's, it's through Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of ways that get us there, a, mm. lot of, a lot of ways that might connect with someone to get them to come to church, to get them to know Christ. Um, someone may uh, have someone reach out to them in a personal way, and so that relationship has helped them come to God. Another person, they may be very academically focused, and mm. so in their mind there's um, persuasive arguments, there's apologetics that they go through, and that is what sparked in them to come to God. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, again, to measure these things is difficult or to say where exactly you are and this might be difficult. We're going to try our best. And we as a church are going to have different areas of focus as we go and as we think, okay, maybe this sermon series hits on the step of growth. The next one steps on going a little bit more. Uh, but it's going to be a tool that we use to process what we do, yeah. our events, our outreach opportunities. It's going to be a tool that we use uh, for sermon series planning and in our our talks with people as they come to know us as a church, if they're looking for a new church and they say, "Well, who are you?" I say, "Well, this is this is who we are." And part yeah. of that is this spiritual growth process that we're going to emphasize in a person's life. I think you know, talking about defining it when when you th- think about the fruit of the spirit, a lot of times we reverse it and we say, "I'm going to try to attain the fruit of the spirit to s- see." That that be, being a Christian is attaining these th- this fruit. That um, I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be more kind. I'm going to be more gentle. And that if I do all of those things, then I'll be producing the fruit of the spirit. But that's a reversal of what Paul's getting at. What Paul is saying is, as you grow in Christ, that spirit, the spirit of God, is working in you and producing this fruit. Um, and the 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 word is actually singular, singular in the Greek, so it's a, it's a fruit, it's a multifaceted fruit that is a fruit that has the characteristics of patience and gentleness and love and kindness. And as you're growing in the Spirit, the Spirit is producing that mm-hmm. fruit in you. And in the same way, we can say that as you are growing and coming to God, as as you are doing more and more of the coming, you can look at your life and see that you're engaging in this process more and more by the way that you are denying yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesus tells his his disciples um, in, in Matthew 16, he says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And so what he's saying here is this is hard when you aren't fully in to say, I'm just all of a sudden going to choose who Christ is over who I want to be. Mm -hmm. And so to say that coming to Christ means that you're just going to all of a sudden put everything who you were to the side, that's that's not going to happen overnight. But you can look, the more you're coming to know Christ, the more you're coming to be a part of the church, 
the more you should be able to look at your life and say, oh, I chose to exemplify Christ more than to exemplify myself. I rooted my identity in Christ in that situation more than I rooted my identity in what I wanted to be or do. And that's kind of the barometer for saying, I'm engaging more in this step of coming, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a, we're not trying to achieve the coming as much as we're using this um, parameter of looking at my life and seeing that I'm denying self and choosing Christ as a um, gauge for the fact that we are seeing that happen in our life. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. No, I was just going to say what Garrett just said is such a backwards way of thinking for the world. You know, everything we're talking about is denying ourselves and not uh, what we identify ourselves as and and looking at Christ for that. And just we see that with the world today is is total opposite. Like total opposite. We were talking about that a little bit when you were stepping out of the room to get some snacks. We um healthy snacks. (laughs) We we were saying how it's so easy in twenty first century to say that being a Christian is getting Christ to affirm who I am truly. Right. But it's not. It's Mm -hmm. affirming that I truly am in Christ even if it's denying who I once wanted to be. Right, right. And and we have the parameters. That's what this big term is, theological anthropology. It's seeing who I am as a human, anthropology, through the lens of who God is. And we can only see God through Christ. And so what we have there in Matthew that Jesus is telling his disciples is that to truly know who we are as humans, we have to know who we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And to say, well, I'm going to come to Christ so that He will, you know, accept me as I am, is kind of the opposite of what Christ is getting at here. Mm-hmm. Coming to Christ is accepting Him and being changed in Him, so we are as He wants us to be. Right. Yeah, and something that we live out as Christians in our baptism is to say, I'm denying myself to the point of death mm. and I'm going to participate in Christ's death and also have that picture of Christ's resurrection as I come up. And that's part of our, as we understand here at Norwin, part of our experience of coming to know God and who he truly is. Like you said, to deny ourselves, not to become a better part, better part of who we are or more of who we want to be through Christ. It's less of who we are through Christ because of who he is. Mm. Um, and sometimes that, that that's a cult, countercultural thing, but it's also a a counter us thing and what we grew up knowing. Mm. Uh, whether you grew up in the church or not, you know we as kids need our have our needs met. We um, are surrounded by people that help us and lift lift us up and encourage us. And then, um, not to say all of that's bad, obviously, but then we come to faith and we say, well, now I need less of that and more of Christ. It can be it can be a challenge because we have a lot of burdens, we have a lot of heartaches and a lot of things just um, to hold on to from from those years of growing up. I like what you said when you you introducing baptism. Um, there's a an author that that I use in some of the orientation to theology classes I teach named Rowan Williams. And on baptism, one of the things that he says that really just sticks out to me is he explains baptism 
at, in the terms of Genesis 1, um, 1, 1, 3. So in Genesis 1, 3, it says that, um, or 1, 2 rather, says, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And that imagery in, in the ancient Near East, the watery depths represents chaos. And so what you have is you have the Spirit of God in chaos, and God plunges himself down into the chaos in order to produce that which is good, mm-hmm. and in humanity that which is very good. And we have corrupted that through the fall, and baptism is the act of letting God plunge us into the watery depths of chaos, which Jesus says, take up my cr- your cross and follow me, and recreate us in his image mm-hmm. once more. Um, that, that's the act of baptism. It's this, it, it ties into the entire Genesis count of creation um, amidst chaos yeah. and brings us back into recreation amidst the fallen corruption of chaos that we've brought into the world. For all the ladies of NCC listening uh, that love Christy McClellan, <laughs> she has a podcast on the chaos of water and the oh, representation cool. of an ancient Near East. Yeah. And so I know there's some of that out there. She has a neat episode on that and ties it into baptism yeah. and some different uh, accounts in the Old Testament of, of water being chaos. I mean, think about the flood with Noah, thinking about... Um, the Egyptians being overcome with water after yeah. the Israelites crossed over the Red Sea. So definitely some some powerful imagery with water and uh, coming out of that water and baptism to a new life. And I think in modern Christendom, we've associated baptism with the holiness of the water, just because mm-hmm. of that Catholic mentality of you know holy water, that the water makes you holy. But the imagery that the early church would have understood was that you're getting plunged into Christ's death in that water in the way that the ancient, like you said with Christy McClellan, the, the Hebraic understanding of water was, was chaos. Mm-hmm. You get plunged into that chaos and arise a new creation in Christ. The water's not holy. The act of following Christ into his death and, and the denial of yourself, the death of who you once were, to become a recreated being in him. That's the point of baptism. Sometimes my mind goes to, okay, this person just wanted to sign up to come to church, (laughs) right? And now we're talking about death and the cost of following Jesus. And going back to maybe the marriage illustration where we talked about the church as the bride, thinking just of a husband and wife, because I do premarital counseling uh, several times a year. And I think here's two, sometimes 20-year-olds. They are in love. And sometimes we say they're in, in blind love because they just don't, they don't know, they don't have life experience of how hard it can be to care for someone that's ill. Or when we say, uh, till death do us part, what that might mean. But also that's the beauty of it mm-hmm. because we're willing to step into a space somewhat blind and say, I'm willing to give my life for this person because I love them. And love is such a deep word to say, despite what comes, despite what the circumstances are going to be around me, I'm, I have, I'm stepping into this covenant of marriage to say yes, even though later in life you may say no or may have frustrations, death may come, hardships may come, I'm saying yes. And often I think of the same being our commitment to Christ. We say yes somewhat blindly, mm. knowing there's a cost, but I'm not, 
I'm not sure exactly what that cost is going to be in life because I just haven't lived it. You don't know what you don't know. And I don't know what this yes fully means, but I still need to know in my commitment to Christ, in this initial phase of coming to Christ, there is going to be a cost. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. One, as a minister, that's saying, I want people to come. And if I want them to come, then I'm not going to lead off with that. But it still needs to be part of my conversation. It still needs to be an understanding as Christians when we say yes to Jesus, there's going to be something that comes our way. And so I wanted to read a verse of Scripture from Luke chapter 9. And it starts in verse 57. As they're walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So here's this man talking to Jesus. Jesus had a following group around him. This random man comes up and says, I want to follow you wherever you go. Maybe he saw miracles already. Maybe... He understood the reputation of who Jesus was, but this was Jesus' reply. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And sometimes when we read passages like that, because this is not the only passage that has an account of how difficult it was to follow Jesus, we think, well, Jesus was was pretty rough on these people. I mean, there's a guy that has a family member that died. Let the mm-hmm. guy go and bury that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what we need to see in these passages is the fact that there's a cost and there's a commitment and that the priority of following Jesus needs to be higher than anything else. Um, there will be appropriate times to do all of those things that the people mentioned, but, but here Jesus is in the flesh and he's calling people to a great work and there's a great commitment with that great work. Right. And if, if you go back and look at the uh, marriage example mm. and talking about love and everything and there's a cost... I still remember when Dana and I got married almost 20 years ago now at this point, which means I'm getting very old. Uh, <laughs> in, in our wedding video, uh, one of the, the preacher who married us, you know, they're asking, do you have any words of advice or anything? And, and he said, you think you guys love each other now. <laughs> you have no idea what love is. As you grow older, as you go through your marriage, yeah. that's what true love is really going to be all about. And it's all about the the ups and the downs, the ebbs yeah. and the flows, going through fires together that builds that love and builds that uh, mm-hmm. bond even stronger and deeper than when you first got married. And the same exact thing can be said with our relationship with Christ, what you were talking about, the, the, the trials that you're going to go yeah. through. You know, when we come to Christ, we have that initial love, right? But we haven't been through the hard times with him knowing that he's going to carry us through and it builds that trust and that faith. And that's what really builds that love in the future then uh, to look back on and make, make it a, a strong, deeper grounded, just love like you've never known or experienced before. So yeah, as we think about the process of people coming and just, it is, it is a depth to, it's a new depth to someone's life. And the main illustration we're using as a church uh, that goes along with that, maybe not illustration, and I even hate sometimes saying story from Scripture because it sounds like it's just some fictitious um, uh, 
made up story to get at the main point. We, we believe this actually happened, but the story where Jesus interacts with this woman at a well, and there's a lot of cultural uh, barriers that are there for why Jesus shouldn't interact with this woman, but Jesus knew the thirst that she had was much more than just physical water. The thirst was for a great spiritual uh, awakening in her life so she could uh, put behind the things that had been pulling her behind and pulling her down in life, the reputation she had and just all the the different things that go into the passage in John chapter 4. But Jesus breaks those barriers. He breaks the silence. He talks to this woman. He reveals who he is. For the first time publicly, Jesus reveals that he's Messiah. And, you know, you can read into that. Like Jesus chose this woman, uh, this Samaritan woman, all by themselves. They're sitting at a well to reveal that he was the Messiah. And it forever changed her life. And her thirst was quenched and what she had really been looking for, what her soul would really longing for. And so part of what we're doing as a church uh, to remind ourselves of these steps and really evaluate where we are is to use different icons that go along with each step. And so we have a little picture of a well to remind us that we're all thirsting for something in life and we've all come to different things. Maybe it's, um, you know, coming to a different relationship because our thirst was for acceptance. Our thirst was for purpose. And we thought that could happen in a marriage relationship or we thought that could fully happen in some sort of friendship. And so we came to that friendship thinking uh, that could be fulfilled in that. Maybe it's coming to uh, some sense of accomplishment in life through a job and finding our purpose in something like that. But really what we need to remind ourselves is that there's a living water. And there's uh, full purpose and meaning in life through that living water. That's Jesus Christ. And the illustration of water is littered throughout the New Testament and having our thirst quenched in Jesus. And so we really thought that was a powerful image to go along with this word, come. We want you to come. We want you to come to the well, the well of living water that won't run dry. And everyone need to, needs to experience it because when we when they do, we believe they receive a life that's deeper than any other life that they can find from anywhere else. Um, and so we're we're excited about this process, our first uh, step in this process. Thank you for listening to our podcast as we discuss this amongst ourselves and with you. And we'd love for you to be part of what we're doing here at church. Um, we are located in North Huntington, PA. Love for you to be with us in person. We have two services on a Sunday morning at 845 and 10.30, love for you to be part. We also have our live stream online. Go to our website and find it there. But uh, again, just thank you for listening as we talked about our first step here in the growth process. Thank you for tuning in to NCC Unplugged. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, we encourage you to share this with your friends and family. NCC Unplugged is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you're ever interested in experiencing Norwin Christian Church firsthand, we invite you to join us for our services every Sunday at 8.45 and 10.30 a.m. We have engaging classes available for all ages, ensuring there's something meaningful for everyone in our church community. For more information about NCC or any other inquiries, visit norwinchristianchurch.com 